This is NBA Sound System Live, featured on NBA.com sites around the world and archived on the NBA Sound System podcast feed, where you get your podcasts by searching NBA Sound System. Thank you for joining us. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, each with the handle at NBA Sound System, or visit us at NBASoundSystem.com for more. Now, NBA Sound System Live. NBA Sound System Live coming at you, as the title says, L-I-V-E, live. Carlin Gay alongside Scott Rafferty. It is 3 p.m. Eastern Time and noon Pacific. We're getting set to talk some basketball, and this week, Scott, we're going to have live basketball to talk about. Preseason gets set uh, Friday, as we record here on a Tuesday. Friday, uh, preseason games will start, and teams will be in action, so we'll actually get to see live basketball in, in this very short amount of time we'll talk about that what we're most looking forward to for the preseason we'll also discuss the big blockbuster trade that happened last week after we went live it was russell westbrook and john wall uh switching spaces switching places uh but we got to start with a man who is in houston right now and actually reported to houston finally uh after what seemed like uh i guess a, a week of uh me time for James Harden. James Harden is now in Houston. He's apparently been tested and he now awaits his results to join his Houston Rocket team who uh, have been waiting quite some time for his arrival. He's there now, Scott. Um, we, we know about the rumors, but first things first, do you see the Houston Rockets starting the season with James Harden still on the roster? Yeah, so it is definitely a weird situa- situation. And we talked about this a few weeks ago. Um, but, you know, all indications are that he's made it clear that he wants out. But he has two more years remaining on his contract, plus a player option in 2022-23, which is worth, oh, by the way, $46.8 million. Um, the reality is I, the Rockets aren't in a huge rush to do this, I don't think. Um, obviously, you know, Harden recently turned 31 years old. Um, but I, I don't think his value is going to decline much anytime soon. He's a perennial MVP candidate. He's led the league in scoring in three straight seasons. I feel like his game should age well. So I, I think on the Houston side of this, there isn't a huge motivation to get a deal done right now. Um, because even if he did, I don't know, sit, sit out a portion of the season, which I, we have no idea if he's going to do, I really don't think his value is going anywhere. And let's be frank, players like James Harden just don't become available often. Um, he is a legitimate superstar. Say all you want about what he's done in the playoffs and how he doesn't quite live up to expectations every single year. But this guy's a top five player in the league. Um, and any team that we can go through the teams, but any team that is going to add him if he does get traded is going to be a, a title contender or, or even a title favorite. So for the Rockets, there isn't a huge rush and they really just need to get you know the most bang out of their buck. Um, because again, this situation does not come along often. I, I see both sides of this, and I, and I like for for the James Harden side, I, I get it. He, he doesn't want to be there anymore. You know, the relationship isn't what it used to be. You want a clean break and everything else. But I think he's absolutely going about it the, the wrong way, uh, the way that he has handled it so far, and that could turn around quickly, as we know in the NBA. The way he's handled it so far ha- has been a, a bad job from James Harden. On the other side, if you're Houston, I, I think they're doing the best that they can in these circumstances. 
and not just giving in to James Harden's trade demand uh, and 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 willing seemingly willing to be able to ride it out. There's been multiple reports that they they're okay with you know being uncomfortable in this situation. They're not rushing to uh, make a quick deal for Harden just because he said he wants one. And it, and we've seen this in the past from multiple players. Sometimes it works out in their favor and them getting traded, and other times. Uh, they can turn things around. The franchise that is can turn things around and and make them uh, make the player kind of feel comfortable with being back on board with the strategy at hand. And the plan is to win an NBA title. I think that's what both of them want. And if you know maybe t- time heals all wounds, Scott, maybe they'll be able to come back on the same page eventually. Houston isn't a championship team in my opinion right now, but they're close because they have James Harden. Uh, who knows what John Wall is, but if John Wall is what he was before the injury, that's a really good basketball team. We still the jury's still on Christian Wood uh, and, and 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 the other pieces around. But if Christian Wood turns out to be as good as he was a year ago, if Demarcus Cousins can give you something after missing all this time, and John Wall gets back to being John Wall, the Rockets are going to be a team that could surprise in the Western Conference. But they need James Harden to make that all work right I, I agree with you that's just quite a lot of ifs that you just said um it, it isn't you, you and i have talked about this not long ago but it, it's interesting to me how i feel like an achilles tear is probably the worst thing that a basketball player like the worst injury a basketball player can suffer and we're almost just talking about like players just shrugging off at this point um you know all the talk about kevin durant kind of looking like the player that he was before he suffered this injury um, you know, John Wall, people are talking about how good he's looked in workouts and are optimistic about how he's going to play this season. But we just, we, it's a huge injury to come back from. And especially like, there's reasons, we talked about this as well. There's reasons to believe that Kevin Durant will come back and be um, a really good player if he's not arguably the best player in the league, like a top five, just because of the things that he can do at his size and everything. But John Wall is a speedy point guard who relies in, on his athleticism. Um, so that's just a huge injury to come back from. And again, like same thing with DeMarcus Cousins. DeMarcus Cousins in his prime was one of the most dominant senses in the league, but he's just dealt with so many injuries over the last couple seasons that we have no idea what to expect. And personally, I'm, I'm pretty high on Christian Wood. I think he's going to be a good player, but we're also expecting him to be, you know, carry on who he was for 15 games with the Pistons last season when, let's be frank, no one was really watching Detroit at that point of the season. Um, and now doing it on a team that's expected to make the playoffs um, and kind of compete with the best teams in the Western Conference. So there's just a lot of ifs there. Um, but I think from the, the Rockets' side of things as well, like they've got to be looking at, one, what the Pelicans got for Anthony Davis last season when they traded him to the Lakers. Um, it was Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, and three first-round picks. That's, that's quite a big haul for a player, obviously, who's one of the best players in the league. And then I think even more recently, you look at what um, the Pelicans got for Drew Holiday when they got three first-round picks two, uh, plus two pick swaps. So, you know, we, we don't have to argue about whether or not James Harden's a better player than Anthony Davis. That's not the point here. Um, but James Harden's a better player than Drew Holiday. I think that's very fair to say. And the Rockets are going to be asking for, you know, young players, uh, potentially like a future All-Star, and plus a ton of draft picks. Because again, this just doesn't happen often. Um, so yes, I do think that if everything goes right, everything breaks right for the Rockets this season and James Harden's back, they could be a good team, but there's just a lot of ifs for it. And the Rockets just have, you know, it's in their best benefit to kind of wait this out and just see the best offer they can get for him. Yeah, I agree with you. I I think the Rockets should wait this out. And, uh, the longer they wait, I think the bigger the haul, if they were to make a, a move now, I think they're shortchanging themselves. 
Uh, and, and we saw that with the Pelicans. The Pelicans, um, you know, you, you mentioned Anthony Davis. When when Anthony Davis or or his representation made it clear that he was not going to resign in New Orleans, that he wanted to be in L.A., they didn't rush to make that deal. They, they took their time uh, and, and later on made that deal in the offseason and got a significant return, including an all-star and some, you know, and multiple picks. And, and, and they had assets where... Um, you know, Anthony Davis got what he wanted, and I think the Pelicans got what they wanted in in the deal, and can now build for the future. And I think the Rockets will have to wait and see and, and be in that same situation. But the the deadline for Giannis Antetokounmpo to resign or to sign that supermax deal, I think, plays a part in this for multiple teams because I, I believe that there are teams that are going to be a little bit gun shy in trading for James Harden or even just you know making themselves available in the sweepstakes because they're waiting to see what happens with Giannis and his potential free agency next summer. Now if he signs before the start of the season, that deadline for him to sign the Supermax is the uh the day before the NBA season begins, so that's December 21st. Um if he signs that uh Supermax deal before then, then I think James Harden now, you know, jumps to the top of the list of yeah, NBA players that you know these teams would want to try and court. Um, there are other guys that are on the list, but I think James Harden, for me, in my opinion, will jump to the top of that list because of the type of player that he is. And but if Giannis, you know, doesn't resign, then James Harden might have to wait it out a little bit longer because I don't think teams are going to be rushing to try and acquire a James Harden when you can get Giannis essentially. I don't want to say for free, but without having to give up assets. Yeah, the, the Heat are a great example um, in that regard because they're a team that's basically structured all their contracts um, to kind of have max space next offseason in case Giannis becomes available. Um, and yeah, if Giannis signs that Supermax and he's no longer available, there's already been some reporting that, you know, they're going to shift their attention to Bradley Beal. Um, so if Harden is, if, if Giannis signs that Supermax and Harden is still available, maybe that's, you know, one of the main targets for James Harden. Um, because I... Personally, like I think Bradley Beal is just going to be a smoother fit everywhere, right? Because he's a guy who can play off ball. He's proven that. Yes, he's developed as an on-ball scorer and playmaker, but he's still a guy who can play without, with and without the ball in his hands, and he's a high-volume three-point shooter. James Harden is a little bit more tricky to build around just because he is so ball-dominant, um, and one of the biggest criticisms of his game is that he just doesn't really do anything off ball. When the ball's not in his hands, he kind of just floats around. Um, you know, he, He's not Steph Curry, who who is in constant motion, um, setting back screens and everything like this. At the end of the day, James Harden is the best scorer in the league and one of the best offensive players we've seen in a long time. Um, and I think, you know, again, players like him don't become available. And if you can get him, you go get him and then you work things out from there. Um, so I, I absolutely believe I, I'm on the same page with you. I, I think he jumps up to number one on that list um, if Giannis does sign that Supermax in the coming weeks. Do you see uh, the Rockets making a move for Giannis or sorry making a move for James Harden or making moves to uh bring more pieces around him before the start of the season I just don't know how much they can do I mean when you look at John Wall and James Harden are combining to make 82 million dollars um this season pocket change you have, yeah you have you have Eric, I guess Eric Gordon um is someone they could potentially flip um but I, I don't know how high his value is after last season when he dealt with injuries um, and he's a guy who's known as a high-volume, accurate three-point shooter, and he just didn't have a good three-point shooting season last year. Um, P.J. Tucker is someone who might be able to get value around the league, but again, he, he's 35 years old and due for an extension. So I, I do, I, I kind of wonder if this is kind of 
this is it for the Rockets. This is the roster that they built at this point. Um, and again, getting Christian Wood in free agency was a big pickup. I, I, I wrote about it. I thought he was probably the most interesting free agent available this offseason mm-hmm. because there's just so much unknown about him. But what he did show in those 15 to 20 games last season, if he can carry that into the season, I mean, he's he's one of the most talented senses in the league, a guy who can uh, roll and shoot at a tremendously high level. And putting that next to James Harden, he, he's kind of like uh, Clint Capella on steroids, right? Um, Clint Capella fit in really well next to James Harden, but he was only a, a paint scorer. And in theory, Christian Wood has shown signs of being this guy who can play above the rim, um, but he can also step out to the three-point line and space the, space the floor as, as a center at a high level. Um, so so I, I kind of think this is what the Houston ha- what the Rockets have at this point, and you're really banking on Christian Wood carrying in over what he did last season, the end of last season. Um, and then like you were saying, John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins kind of re- recapturing their former All-Star selves um, before they had all these injuries. It's an interesting situation for uh, head coach, first year head coach Stephen Silas to uh, to get here in Houston. He has talent, to say the least. and and uh, to to figure out what to do with that talent is going to be an interesting uh, an interesting job for him. And to sell James Harden on the future, wanting to be in Houston, it's doable. It's doable. People often mm-hmm. forget that the late great Kobe Bryant once uh, demanded a trade to the Chicago Bulls. And then uh, the Lakers followed up that season, and I, fin- I think they finished with the number one seed in the Western Conference with a trip to the NBA Finals. So, uh, you know, it it happens. Things turn around quickly, as we know in the NBA. If you haven't already, check out Sound System FC, your home for Liga MX and beyond. Uh, right now, the Liga MX is getting set to head to the finals. Leon Pumas one on one, two games back to back. In the span of three days, uh, what a thrilling final it will be. Pumas and Leon getting set to do battle in the Liam MX playoffs. You can find out all about it right now on Sound System FC. Don't wait. Subscribe today. That is Sound System FC, your home for football. All right, Scott, the, uh, there is a trade. We were speculating on trades happening for James Harden, but there was a trade that actually happened, and uh, he has a new teammate, sees his uh, old teammate leave. Russell Westbrook is headed to Washington. Coming back is John Wall. We talked about him a little bit. Let's start with John Wall. How do you see him fitting in Houston? Can I just say I have no idea um, because we haven't seen him play in so long. And again, he, he's this you know super athletic. Look, John Wall at his prime was one of the most athletic and quick guards in the league. Um, and again, he's coming off of two um, foot injuries that could rob him of some of that speed and athleticism that made him such a good player. The thing, like I, I think that John Wall, if if he can kind of come go back to that player that he was before the injury, I think he is more of a natural fit next to James Harden. Um, John Wall isn't like a knockdown shooter, but he, he's proven to be a more consistent catch-and-shoot three-point shooter than Russell Westbrook has, which, as we know, next to a guy in James Harden who is so ball-dominant and is such a good isolation scorer, you need to surround him with, with shooting. So having someone in that position who can at least you know punish teams for helping off of him or make teams think twice of helping off of him, I think that's really important. Um, additionally, Wall is a better passer than Westbrook. Um, I think that's pretty safe to say. And other than that, you're obviously losing some scoring in going from Westbrook to John Wall because Westbrook's one of the best scorers at the point guard position. But I think, you know, losing that and adding a little bit more three-point shooting, a little bit more passing, maybe a little bit more smarter decision-making, 
Um, I, I think he's just a more natural fit next to Harden, obviously with the caveat being that you're expecting him to be the same player that he was before the injury, um, and we kind of have no idea what to expect from him in that regard. Yeah, injury injury aside, or, or his health aside, I think this fit is going to be somewhere in between what we got from the Chris Paul-James Harden relationship and the Russell Westbrook-James Harden relationship. You're going to get some of the good from the Chris Paul relationship with uh, James Harden, and you're going to get some of the bad with the Russell Westbrook relationship with James Harden. And uh, I, I think that, you know, like I said, health aside, John Wall is probably James Harden's best chance right now at, uh, you know, getting a backcourt mate at an all-star level uh, and, and making it work. I don't think that he could fit next to another all-star caliber point guard the way that he fits with John Wall. And John Wall is going to take steps back when needed. He allowed Bradley Beal to kind of flourish. This is obviously a different situation. And Bradley Beal isn't the Bradley Beal now that he was two years ago. So I think sitting on the sideline and watching Bradley Beal become that type of player will kind of help John Wall a little bit. And it also, playing with the James Harden will actually help John Wall a lot because he, he won't have to be John Wall right out of the gate. He can kind of ease his way back and get his confidence back slowly because we know that James Harden can carry a team uh, for an entire regular season basically on his back. And, uh, you know, John Wall just has to be ready for the playoffs if James Harden's still there. That's what Houston got him for. They got him for the playoffs to take them to the next level. And if he has shown any flashes of the John Wall that was a borderline all-star, then I think Houston w- will be okay. On the other side with Washington, I think – a lot of people are, are, you know, saying that, you know, Russell Westbrook, who is a great player, you know, I love Russell Westbrook. I don't know if this is a good fit for Washington. I actually think that Houston may have won this trade slightly Ooh. if you're picking a winner. Uh, just because Westbrook, he, he's just such a tough player to build around and fit next to. And he left a situation where. It, it, it really kind of catered to him. He's going to a situation in Washington that, in my opinion, is the best conventional lineup that you could put around him. But the way that he plays or the way that he wants to play now um, is going to take away from Bradley Beal, who went to another level and really kind of, in my opinion, got to that level where you, you, you might think that Bradley Beal could be a go-to guy on a team and just needs help. Uh, next to him and Westbrook isn't that help because Westbrook doesn't want to be that help Westbrook wants to be the man and you have two guys in in the backcourt that should fit next to each other but they're going to look like oil and water when this thing gets going this is interesting because I am a Russell Westbrook pessimist and you're a Russell Westbrook optimist and I feel like we feel the opposite way of this trade Um, one more thing I will say about Wall before we get into Westbrook is that as 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 easy as it is to say, like yeah, he could for next to Harden. There's just a lot of factors when you consider that he's coming back from this injury, he's joining a new team, and he has to play next to James Harden. Who, looking at what Chris Paul and Westbrook did, they had to change their game so much to fit in next to him. And some of that's going to come down to Steven Silas and kind of, you know, moving this offense around and, and shifting gears a little bit to get Harden doing more things that can help team basketball. But there's a lot of factors that John Wall has to work with um, that complicates it. On the Westbrook side, I actually think this could work. Um, the addition of Westbrook does not make the Wizards title contenders by any means. 
But I do think it's safe to say that this is a team that should be in the 6-7-8 seed range in the Eastern Conference next season because you have two bona fide all-stars in Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal. And I also think that, like you're saying, this is probably one of the best um, traditional lineups that you could build around Russell Westbrook because reportedly one of the reasons that he wanted out of Houston was because he wanted to have a similar role that he did in Oklahoma City. And I think Washington can do that because they're going to give him the ball. He's going to run a ton of pick and rolls. Davis Bertans was one of the best stretch fours in the league. Thomas Bryant showed signs of being a really good three-point shooter last season. I think he he took like two threes a game, made 42% of his catch and shoot threes. So they're going to be able to really space the floor for him in ways that we didn't see in Oklahoma City because um, he was always surrounded by like two non-three-point shooters, whether it was Tabo Cephalosha and Kendrick Perkins or um, Andre Robeson and Steven Adams. So suddenly Russ is going to play with a ton of space and it's going to open up, up for him to do what he do, does best. I do think there is some crossover between him and Bradley Beal because Beal, like you said, last season showed that, you know, he, he could be kind of like this primary initiator on a team. The thing is, like, he's played next to another ball dominant point guard in the past in John Wall. I also think that Beal is a much better off-ball player than James Harden is. Um, I'm actually writing about Westbrook's fit in Washington right now, and a stat that I think is pretty crazy is that Beal was assisted on 267 baskets last season, keeping in mind that that team was not good. Um, but he was assisted on 267 baskets. That's almost as many assisted baskets as Harden has had in the last three seasons combined, um, which is just wild to me. And I, and I just think that... Oh, and, and another thing on the Westbrook side of things, it's easy to forget that his last season in Oklahoma City, he had the lowest usage rating of his career since his sophomore season. And if you remember, that was the breakout season for Paul George when he became a finalist for Defensive Player of the Year and MVP. And I think that team had a ceiling on it because I, I really do. I'm not as high in Westbrook as you are. And I think ultimately it's hard, to be a, it's hard for me to see him being the second best player on a championship team. But I do think he's shown signs of being able to kind of step aside and let a younger player kind of take center stage um, and for that to be a really good team. So I think ultimately, yes, the Wizards are not going to compete for a championship this season, but trading John Wolf for Russell Westbrook, who's, by the way, coming off an All-NBA second team season, like it's very easy to forget that. He, he was tremendous for a large portion of last season. Um, I do think that turns the Wizards into a, a pretty safe um, playoff team. And look, I, I don't think anyone's really going to want to play them in the first round. Um, not to say that I, I would pick them to upset a, a Boston or, or Brooklyn um, as things stand today. But you put Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal on a team and surround them with shooters, that's not going to be easy to slow down. Yeah, you're right. I, I, I am looking at it this way in the way that I say, I think Houston with a healthy John Wall, everything goes right for them this season. They are a better playoff team than Washington is. And Washington ends up being the better regular season team than Houston could be. It gave, I, I think game in, game now with Westbrook's intensity, they'll win more games just off effort. Houston, other way. They'll they'll probably get in this, the playoffs at like the seventh seed. And and they I think I could see them upsetting a team in the first round. Um, you know, just because that wall hardened matchup it just it, that's tough to, to to game plan for. Where I feel like you can game plan against a Russell Westbrook and, and take things away from him with it with the shooting. It, 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 both ways, that's the way I see it. Don't, don't you just kind of think that the Rockets are going to kind of hit the same issues that they did last season? Um, I, I mean, I think one of the benefits to them this season is that they actually have options. Like last year, they just went all in on small ball, 
And this year, they can mix things up. They can play P.J. Tucker at center. They can play Christian Wood at center. And then they can also play DeMarcus Cousins at center and then Christian Wood at power forward and even P.J. Tucker at small forward. Like, they can go so small and so big um, basically whenever they want, which I think works to their benefit if they can kind of get everyone on the same page. But ultimately, like, I mean, John Wall's playoff career has been better than Russell Westbrook's. I think it's fair to say. Like, John Wall and Bradley Beal, for that matter, ball, in, ball out year in, year out in the playoffs. But I just think they're going to hit some of the same problems with John Wall as like a number two next to Harden to the point where I I, I don't know. I, I still think that this team's going to have a hard time kind of emerging or, or cementing themselves as one of the teams to beat in the Western Conference um, as long as, you know, the Lakers, the Clippers and the Nuggets are still there. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. I, I am uh, higher on them being a playoff team just because I, I, I think that John Wall has a little bit more of the good qualities that gave Chris Paul and, and James Harden uh, some success in the playoffs. And, but he does, again, on the other side, had the negative stuff that uh, Westbrook kind of uh, has as well. So uh, yeah, Houston, interesting team all year long. Obviously, it all begins and ends with whether or not James Harden is there. And then on Washington, um, they'll, they'll be fascinating as well. First time in, in a long time. Has, they haven't been interesting uh, for a couple of years due to Wall's injury. All right, let's move to uh, the preseason, which gets underway uh, this Friday. A uh, ton of games on tap. Friday and uh, Scott I ask you as we get set for the preseason what are you excited for I'm most excited to see Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant uh, take the floor together on the nets I it's just been so long first of all since we've really seen both of them I know Kyrie played I think it was 20 games last season Um, he was spectacular in those games and obviously Kevin Durant we have no idea what he's going to look like coming off of this Achilles injury or this Achilles tear but I think the two of them together have the potential to be the most exciting one-two punch in the league. Say all you want about Kyrie Irving and how, you know, he's not a great defender. Does he play winning basketball? Does he make teams better and everything like that? When he's rolling, there are a few players who are more entertaining to watch. And the the same goes for Kevin Durant, who's just a walking video game, can score on anyone, do anything he wants on a basketball court. And I think we'll, we'll see how the pieces fit around them. You and I talked about uh, that a couple weeks ago, um, how I have some question questions with that. But I think these just the two of them together have the potential to be so good next to each other, so much fun um, that I can't wait. Even though it's only going to be preseason, I can't wait to see kind of how they gel on the court together. They'll get uh, underway f- on Sunday, preseason game number one for them, and they'll be playing the Wizards, who are uh, who have some interesting pieces that we just talked about. Um, I'm excited to see the Portland Trailblazers. You know, I've been high on their moves all offseason long and, and again I'm like you I know it's going to be preseason but to actually see that team on the court and what they've been able to put together around Damon CJ uh, it, I'm, I'm excited about that um, they were awful abysmal last year defensively and they added two guys in the offseason that could defend and defend at a high level and I wonder if that will have a trickle-down effect around the rest of the team who uh, you know it was relatively the same, and no one's ever accused Dame Lillard of being a lockdown defender or CJ McCollum for that matter. But when you put competent defenders around them that could you know help them, um, you know like Rob Covington, I think gets overrated defensively in, in terms of one-on-one stuff, but off the ball he's really strong. And uh, you know Derek Jones Jr. I think is a better on-the-ball one-on-one defender than Covington is, and I imagine that he would probably take the bulk of the. You go lock this guy down or at least try to slow him down minutes. Um, you have two of those defenders. 
Nurkic in the back end. He doesn't have to, uh, you know, go out of his way to to try and protect the rim as much with you know competent defenders in front of him. They should be. I don't think they're going to be a top five defensive team, but they should be middle of the pack. And sometimes middle of the pack is good enough to get you deep into the playoffs. Yeah, Robert Covington is one of the better help wing defenders in the league. So having him and surrounding you know Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum with him is going to make a big difference. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm excited to see Nurkic in particular because we did get a taste of him coming back last season um, after that devastating leg injury, and he was awesome. And he was I think great. He, yeah, I think he blew everyone away um, in in those seeding games. I mean, keeping in mind we didn't see him for what like a what like a year, um, and this mm-hmm. is a seven footer coming off of a, a serious injury, and he averaged basically 18, 10, and four uh, to go along with two blocks and one and a half steals in those eight seeding games for the Blazers. Um, and he struggled at times in that first round series against the Lakers, but that that was an encouraging step in the right direction for for, for the Blazers because before he got injured, he was the, the second best player on the team. Um, he was better than CJ. He, he was better than CJ McCollum that season that he got injured, I think. Um, and to kind of get him back, maybe he's not that exactly that player again, um, but a guy who can t- kind of tie everything together for this team. Um, if he can kind of get back to that kind of like border all star production. Uh, that would be huge for them, especially when you, as you were just saying, you surround them with a couple lockdown defenders or, you know, one lockdown defender and a, a really strong help defender. Um, this team has the potential to be really good this season. I, I still don't know if I see them as a title contender, um, but it, it wouldn't shock me if, if they made the conference finals um, and made things interesting in that regard. How many teams do you see as a title contender heading into this season? Because obviously, you know, I look at West, and this is what you know puts me high on a Portland. I look at West, and I obviously see the Lakers, and I feel like I have to put the Clippers in that conversation you got, you got just to. because. But I don't know that the Clippers are are you know head and shoulders better than the rest of the field. Like the Denver Nuggets would walk into a, a series of the Clippers and feel pretty confident the way they were able to come back last season against them in you know in the uh, in the semifinals. Um, you know Portland should feel more confident this season. Um, you know what you you can name some other teams there uh, out west that uh, you know maybe not Houston because Houston had a good year. But what about the Jazz? The Jazz had a tough matchup. Uh, in the first round where they get bounced and they push to seven against a team that eventually made the conference finals, they should feel confident saying, hey, that could have been us. Um, you know, And they get better by adding guys that are coming back from injury. Um, you know, They wonder what, what could have been if, if Bogdanovich doesn't get hurt. Uh, you know, Dallas is going to have a year, uh, you know, hopefully, Kristaps Porzingis doesn't fall apart in the, in the middle of a playoff series. There are going to be teams that I think will feel confident this year, Phoenix included, where they might mess around and look like what the Miami Heat did a season ago, where no one was really taking them seriously until they're standing there with the national anthem being played in the middle of the finals. Yeah, an interesting exercise might be to just kind of tear the Western Conference because um, I, I do I think that the Lakers are in a tear by themselves at this point. Um, the defending champions, I think they improved this off season. I've been really high on their off season, so I think they're a clear number one in the Western Conference. In tier two, maybe it's the Clippers and the Nuggets for me. I think you have to give the Nuggets that respect after what happened last season. And, you know, they lost a key piece in Jeremy Grant this this offseason. But I think if, you know, Jamal Murray kind of can carry on from what he did last season, Michael Porter Jr. takes a step, uh, maybe, maybe Jokic improves a little bit. Um, that team should be right back there, if not a little bit better. 
And then maybe there's a third tier, and that's kind of where you have the Jazz, the Mavericks, the Blazers. Um, you could even talk to me, talk talk me into putting the Blazers in that tier too, potentially. Um, but they, they they made quite a few changes this off season, and I, I want to see kind of how it all comes together before I do that. Um, yeah, they're absolutely. And then you yeah, have go ahead, a couple sorry. wild cards too. You have a couple wild cards too, where we haven't even mentioned, uh, you know, a healthy Golden State Warrior team. Obviously, Clay yep. Thompson is not available, but. Steph's back, and you know Steph's one of those guys that is good enough to carry you to the playoffs. I don't care who's around him; he, he, he they should at least get the eighth seed. And then you don't want to see Steph get hot for seven game series. That's a long series that uh, you're not really looking forward to playing. So I don't put the I don't put the Warriors in in that top tier by cha- by say per se. But I mean they are a team that. You know, one you know cold streak from a team, uh, an injury goes the wrong way from a team that they're they're right there. Yeah, all you need to do if you, if you if anyone's doubting Steph Curry, just go back and watch that game three of the 2019 NBA Finals when Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant were out, and he's going up against one of the best. I think it's fair to say one of the best defensive teams that we've seen in a long time in those Raptors, and he hung yep. 47 points in them. Um, and basically had them chasing him around, double teaming him, triple teaming him, and uh, the Warriors were competitive in that game for a lot of the game. So if anyone's doubting what Steph Curry can do, and obviously the big concern with him is health because he's dealt with injuries the last couple seasons, but history shows that if he's going to stay healthy, that team is going to be very hard to be on on a night-to-night basis. Um, and yeah, they should be in the mix for one of those playoff spots, as should the Suns. Um, I'm really high on that team. Obviously, we've got to see how Chris Paul fits into ne- next to Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. But I, I think that that one through five, that starting lineup for the Suns with Jay Crowder uh, and Bridges rounding it out is going to be really tough and they have some depth. Um, so, yeah, the, I mean, we've said it before, but the Western Conference is just going to be a bloodbath this season. Um, and it's going it to be is. the only team that you can look at that didn't make the playoffs last season. Uh, sorry, the only team that you can look at that made the playoffs in the West last season that you can say won't make it this season is the Thunder. Other than that, mm. you have those seven teams, and then you have the Grizzlies, the Suns, uh, and the Warriors kind of fighting to make that in. And then even teams like the, the, the Spurs, the Kings, and the, Timber, uh, and the Timberwolves, I don't expect them to make the playoffs, but they certainly could make things interesting, especially with yeah. that 9-10 play-in tournament now. Yeah, it, yeah, that that's a, a big, big uh, asterisk next to uh, everybody's name. All right, you, I'm, I'm with you. I think the Lakers are the class of the Western Conference. It's going to be tough to kind of knock them off their perch. Out East, I don't know yet. Um, I, I think I kind of need to see how the season, how, how teams look as the season plays out. Uh, I still have Milwaukee right now by default, probably the number one seed in the conference. Um, but once we get to the postseason, I still need to see – you know that team really become a playoff juggernaut, and they haven't over the last two seasons. The pressure is going to be on them this year. They've, uh, they've whether Giannis signs, you know, the extension or not, it's it's entering championship or bust mode for them. Um, you know, we we know what they can do in the regular season. We know that Giannis could win MVPs. That's cool. That's cute. Now he has a team kind of built for the playoffs. They've made huge trades and kind of mortgaged the future to say, hey, we're we're in win now mode. And when you do that, that means it's championship or bust mode for them. And that's tough, tough situation to be in if you're a franchise that really isn't accustomed to winning and don't have much championship experience outside of the head coach on your team that are going to be in big spots. Like Drew Holiday is a big piece picking up. He's never played a finals game. Giannis has never played in the finals game. Neither has Chris Middleton. So 
that is a tough situation for those three guys to try and carry through uh, a team that uh, and a franchise that hasn't won a ton. And then you look at the rest of the team, the rest of the Western or Eastern Conference rather, and you know the Celtics. I think are 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 better are a better playoff team this year by default because of you know moving you know moving on from Gordon Hayward. Um, now you have everybody in their rightful role. And they don't have to worry about stepping on anyone else's toes. So I think that's a good situation for them. The Heat are going to have the confidence and the chip on their shoulder that everyone's calling it a fluke. So they they want to get back to business. I don't know about the Sixers. I still need to wait and see it on them. I've been burnt twice in a row by picking them going deep in the playoffs, and they've Same. I know injuries have played a part of it. So I, I I'm not uh, not really high on the Sixers. But it, again, like like we talked about last year, Scott, it wouldn't shock me if the Sixers got knocked down in the first round, and it wouldn't shock me if they made the finals. That's how that's where it is with me for with the Sixers, and then the Raptors. They're they're always going to be scrappy, but they, I think they're a piece away from you know competing at a high level. So. Where do you sit in the Eastern Conference? We didn't even mention the Nets, but we, we know yep. that the Nets are going to be up there. Is it for you, Brooklyn, and everybody else, or do you have to wait and see it like me? I, I still think you have to put the Bucs at number one um, like you had. I, they've, they've just been the most dominant team, regular season team in the league the last couple seasons. And I do think that the addition of Drew Holiday doesn't make them a no-brainer championship-winning team. But I do think he, he, he makes them better than they were last season. Um, and that little bit could make a tremendous difference when you're talking about this team and what they've been missing. Um, so I think you, you just have to c- pencil the, the Bucks in at number one. And after that, I'm on the same page as you. Like There are a ton of question marks with the Nets. There are a ton of question marks with the 76ers. Um, although, you know, I, I like the, the hiring of Doc Rivers. I like the offseason moves that they've made in getting Danny Green and Seth Curry. Um, getting more shooting around Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid is going to be huge for them and kind of look like that team that they were a couple years ago. Um, when they made that playoff run. So I, I do think it's safe to assume that the 76ers are going to be better this season. But like you, I need to see it before I really buy into them. Um, the Celtics, I think they should be better too. But Kemba Walker's knee is you know, the elephant in the room here um, because he's not, you can make the argument that he's not their, their best player, their second best player, um, it, depending on how high you are on Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. But He's, you know, of huge importance to that team. And if he misses more time than the the month or so that he's expected to right now with this knee injury and it kind of lingers, that's going to be a big deal for them. Um, we shouldn't sleep on the paces either. I think that team's going to be competitive. I don't think they're going to be as good as the other teams. Um, but I am fascinated to see what the Heat do this season because, like you said, everyone seems like they're kind of sleeping on them right now. Um, you'd think we'd learn our lesson after what happened last season. But I think they're <laughs> going to have a ton of confidence going into this season. I like the off-season moves that they've made. Um, picking up Avery Bradley, for example, I think he fits in perfectly with what they're doing. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I, – I, I, I still think the Lakers are the team to beat this season, both West and East. Um, they're in a clear number one for me right now. But – there, are, I think it's fair to say there's probably four or five teams that if they did come out of the East um, at the end of this season, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, in the Bucks, the Celtics, the Heat, the 76ers, the Nets. Um, the Raptors, I don't necessarily see being at that level, but I feel pretty comfortable what that floor is. Um, and that's a, the fourth or fifth, fifth best team in the East. A team that no one's going to want to play in the regular season um, and, and that's going to be competitive no matter what in the playoffs. Uh, I, just, I still think they're just missing that one piece. But other than that, I think it's pretty fair to say that there's four or five teams um, that could emerge from the East this season, which is, which is pretty crazy. 
it's pretty crazy and it's fun for the fans. We're uh, we're entering a super parody mode in the NBA, barring a uh, blockbuster trade sending James Harden somewhere in the Eastern Conference to create some I was gonna, sort of super team. I was going to say <laughs> in, in an hour now, James Harden's going to get traded to the Nets, and this is all going to be for nothing. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Uh, um, I don't know if I, I, I would be excited about that, but uh, we'll see when the trade happens, if it does happen. If not, uh, until then, we will uh, hope that James Harden gets through and uh, does not test positive for the uh, COVID virus in uh, in Houston. And uh, we get set for preseason Friday, NBA League Pass. If you haven't got it, now is a good time to uh, seek it out, purchase, and uh, sit on the couch all weekend long watching NBA basketball. If you're junkies like us, you're probably going to watch a lot of preseason games and be excited about all these two-way players that have the opportunity to make the big roster this year. We didn't even get a chance to talk about the G League. We'll, we'll talk about that probably next, next week. Next time. When, yeah, when we figure things out, uh, the G League still hoping to have that bubble down in Atlanta. For Scott Rafferty, I'm Carlin Gabe. We remind you, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, live right here across the NBA Global Networks. This is NBA Sound System Live.